Coming up on today's show, we break down one of the most eventful trade deadlines in the history of the NFL and remain haunted by the ghost of Nathan Peterman, who is back under center for the Buffalo Bills this weekend. We preview all of the action going into week nine. We talk Halloween and we get to see if Nat finally wins that coffee maker by finishing in the top five in our DraftKings League. All that and more on this episode of The Tomahawk Show. This is Steph from Brooklyn. Long-time listener, first-time caller, love the show because what other podcast is going to talk about athletes peeing in a hot tub? Hey, Heather from Sacktown here. Big fan of the Tomahawk Show. Came for Joe and Hawk, stayed for Natty Ice. You go, girl. Hey, guys. Donnie from Brockton, Mass. Big fan of the Tomahawk Show. Listen, Joe, you've been a huge inspiration to me fitness-wise. And, uh, and Hawk, uh, you know, you got to get on Joe's plan, man. No more Mountain Dews. Welcome to the Tomahawk Show, presented by LeBron James's Uninterrupted. Please interact with our show by following us on social media at Tomahawk Show, and be sure to use the hashtag Tomahawk, Tomaflock. Make sure that you tweet us a 10 to 15 second video telling us why you love the show using the hashtag Tomahawk for a chance to be featured on an upcoming intro of the Tomahawk Show. I'm really excited about that. Yes. I've been pushed for months to get our fans more involved in our show, give them a voice, let them vent what they've been pissed off about exactly. all week, like you and I get to do. So without any further ado, my humble co-host, Andrew Hawkins, how the heck are you? I'm good, man. It's coming up on Halloween. I'm not really a big Halloween guy. I didn't, we didn't really dress up in my family growing up. And I was like the kid at school where everybody else was in a costume and I wasn't. So even in my adult years, I still don't dress up. But I do, I do like to see all the costumes. And I did actually do something semi-funny, but it's like very, very specific. So then it's not funny at all. You have wow. To check my Instagram. That's a cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> so if you what like I to see it, go retweet the Mountain Dew. No. <laughs> <laughs> what I want to know is, did you get a, a costume for Halloween this year? And what did your family dress up as? No, we didn't dress up, man. We really, Come on. I'm that guy. You, you're but trying it, to tell me that Keisha did not get a whole cute little outfit for every single p- person in your family no. so that you guys could get together and go trick-or-treating, even with their deadbeat dad who lives most of the year <laughs> in New York and the family's in L.A. They're going to go out and still have fun. It, Halloween, it's like the best holiday of the year besides Christmas. Yeah, no, we didn't because, uh, I mean, it's, it's twofold. So... Also, it makes it easier because the kids, they don't know that Halloween is like a, a thing yet. Oh, my God. Your kids don't know. They That's know what like it they're... is, but they don't know like it's like, you know, when I was in school, you couldn't get outside of it. So if we didn't dress up like we all knew that we like everybody was having the fun. Everybody was eating the candy. The kids, they don't they have no idea. And so once you crack that open, it's like when you break the seal after a night of like you're drinking. Once you go to take a leak, it just keeps going. Like you can't crack the seal, so we're just trying to. I'm just trying to hold off because I don't have like the focus in on it right now. We got to change that. We need to have a tomahawk, tomaflock Halloween party. We need to get hawk in you the Halloween what? spirit because that's just unacceptable. I think if you're an adult and you're acting too cool for Halloween, you just suck. Period. <laughs> you suck. Dress up, have some fun, be a kid for once, put a smile on your face. I don't care if the Browns just fired their head coach and their <laughs> offensive coordinator. Have some fun and just forget about the troubles in your life for just one hour and Weird. go trick-or-treating and put a costume on. Here's what people don't realize. is, and I was telling this to a woman who works in at Uninterrupted, dressed up as 
Post Malone, and it is an amazing costume. Again, go on my Instagram stories. I don't know if it'll still be up there by then, but it's hilarious. But I was telling her, I'm like, well, my humble co-host, who is the most humble person I've ever met in my life, he <laughs> throws a Halloween banger mm. every year. And I believe mm. my last year in the NFL was the first year he didn't do it, and that's when I retired. Yeah, it was time to retire. You know, once we had that third kid and, uh, you know, the first two kids, they would sleep through the Halloween parties. We'd like put them upstairs and put like a jet engine fan sound machine, like right next to their pillow. So they couldn't hear the banging party that we had <laughs> going on in the basement. Uh, but after that third baby came, we didn't have any more rooms like super far away. And so it was like either put the kid in the party or just flat out not have it anymore. And at that point I knew it was time to retire because <sighs> the, the Thomas, Brown's Halloween party had become so epic and so much fun. And then when that ended, the uh, the era was over. And there what was, was there your was record no... coming off of Halloween parties in your career? We actually, believe it or not, they were actually pretty strong because typically at the Halloween party, the reason I thought it was so cool is because we kind of broke down the clicks and the barriers that naturally develop on any team. Like it didn't matter who you were on the Cleveland Browns, you were going to get invited and you were going to come and dress up. Not just get invited, you were going to get shamed into coming. Yeah, you're gonna. It get was shamed. like the first year I didn't come. You were like, so you're just too good for Halloween, or like, oh, yeah. you don't you, like your you acted like. Oh, this was just a Halloween party for the white guys or for the <laughs> offensive linemen. I was like, no, seriously, Hawk, I want everybody there. Like, I want the team to come together to have some fun in a low pressure, no judgment environment and get to know your teammate a little bit more. And by and large, that's what happened. So Stories we just shamed everybody. Halloween parties were amazing. Dude, there were people we had sprawled out on, on lawns. <laughs> I would hear stories from people who weren't even on the team that were at the Halloween party and telling me how banging they were. I have two questions. Yeah. So first of all, what was your best Halloween costume that you ever had at these parties? And second of all, what's the craziest story that's ever happened at one of your parties? Oh, man. Those are damn good questions. And Joe has the answers I'll on go deck. First. If, you don't, if you're, if you're going to stall for time with uh, cliches, um, <laughs> <laughs> my favorite Halloween costume that I wore to the Browns Halloween costumes were my wife and I dressed up as Cousin Eddie. I was the Cousin Eddie at the Christmas party that had like the white turtleneck with the dickie underneath and the tight green pants and the white shoes. And he had like the moose eggnog mug. And then Annie was the shitters full cousin Eddie who had like the white robe on that was uh, standing outside of uh, the house with his RV, you know, dumping his nuclear waste into this, uh, the sewer pipes. So that was probably my favorite just cause I'm such a huge Christmas vacation fan. Um, <laughs> but that, I, I think one of the best Halloween costumes that we ever had at the Browns Halloween party was Jordan Poyer, the safety, like super quiet guy. You never would expect to have him come to something like this. He showed up. And for those that don't know him, he looks exactly like Steph like Curry. Steph Curry. Seriously? Like, exactly like Steph Curry. And he had the entire outfit on oh. from the shoes to the, the jersey to the shorts. He even had the mouth guard like behind <laughs> his ear. And <laughs> people that were showing up that weren't on the team that were just like friends of ours that were cool enough to get invited, they actually, they actually were thinking that that was Steph Curry. They were wondering if I had brought in Steph Curry in and he, he came as himself to the Halloween party. That's funny, man. The last year, Dwayne Bowe threw, threw a costume party. 
Yeah, he didn't invite uh, us offensive linemen. What was yeah. that all about? I invited him to my party. He came to my Halloween party with him and all of his boys, and then he doesn't invite me. You know what happened? Hawk, I have to know what the Dwayne Bow oh. Halloween party was like. I need this information immediately. It was, was everything you could imagine a Dwayne Bow Halloween party was like, man. There was like go-go dancers. There was like... That it was like his. He turned a house into a club. His grandma was there. His grandma, who was seventy-eight years old, was at the party. Like, got a shout out in the middle of the party. Like, I think he gave her an award at the party. It was. Oh it was wild, man. Yeah. It so was, it was. A, it was crazy. You know, I I don't really know Dwayne Bowe's grandma personally, but I remember <laughs> reading a story that either Dwayne wrote like on Instagram or it was maybe even like regular news that when he made the NFL, he gave his grandma a million dollar check. Yeah. yeah. When he was little, she would come visit him like when he had asthma in the hospital and he was like dealing with some asthma. And so he felt that he owed her a million dollars. And I and I was like, wow, that's really sweet. But. Yeah, that's a lot of money for an old lady. Like, I'm pretty sure she didn't need that much. Maybe give her like a hundred thousand, or maybe like a car, or like something that, uh, like, I mean, you could use the money, obviously. He said he promised her when he was a kid that he would give her a million dollars, and when he got two, she was like, "Where's my million dollars at?" And he was like, "Yo, I mean, I I don't make promises, I don't keep." So he gave her a million dollars, even in her old age. She was like, "Where's my damn money?" I I love that guy. I wonder if she wrote him an invoice. Like she, she, <laughs> like she like owed. typed it up on her typewriter. It was like, uh, dear Dwayne, I don't know if you remember, but uh, you owe me a million dollars. Please pay within the net 30 days. <laughs> it's wow. Cause she was in the party. Dwayne is a, if you follow him on social, oh, he's the best. He's, he's a, he's a rapper for sure. Just by nature of who he is. He always has been. And he just does all the rapper activities with his grandma right beside him. They're like best friends. It's it's a, it's really cool. It's like weird, but it's like a really really cool relationship. Yeah, it's awesome. So the the other question you had, Nat, was what is my best story from those parties? Well, believe it or not, it's a story actually that involves a friend of mine and not a player. I will not name his name, but he was a guy that was really good friends with a bunch of my teammates and me. And so we always invited him to the Halloween party because we knew he wasn't going to be like posting pictures on Instagram and like everybody could feel like they were themselves. That was always the key with a party when you're dealing with like, I know you guys at Uninterrupted, you go to all the big LeBron celebrity parties out in LA. And the important thing is you don't want to have anybody there that's going to make somebody else feel uncomfortable where they can't act like themselves, right? Yes. You don't want anybody like creeping pictures or like uh, putting stuff on Instagram about what's going on. You just want everything to be kept in house and like when I have a good time. Contest, I don't want to see the video on your IG exactly. stories, Nat. Exactly. Just keep it to yourself. Yeah. It's cool. Keep it to yourself. So anyway, so this friend of mine, he shows up and at the time our head coach was living right next door. Like legitimately we shared a yard. There was, you know, <laughs> like a electrical box that split our lawns. And my friend, he had had a few too many, uh, Mountain Dews, I think. Yes. <clears throat> and he ended up We've stumbling outside because he was trying to take a leak. And for some reason, he didn't. The bathroom must have been occupied, which is another story. We had some coitus going on in our bathroom at one time <laughs> in one of the parties. <laughs> but he digress. So anyway, so he goes outside to uh, take a leak and he ends up stumbling into my coach's front yard. Face down, passes out in the front yard of my head coach. <laughs> At like one in the morning and we came out about 30 minutes later and saw him there. We're able to thankfully wake him up 
and get him into a cab and get him <laughs> home before my head coach at the time uh, woke up, called the cops on what the hell was going on and why was there this <laughs> drunk guy sleeping in his front yard. So one of the most important things to get ready for the Thomas Halloween party was to let everybody in the neighborhood know that I'm having a huge Halloween party. So don't call the cops when they see a <laughs> hundred Range Rovers and land, uh, <laughs> land Rovers and Rolls Royces parked in the cul-de-sac and drunk people spilling out. And oh, by the way, you're not invited. Oh yeah, you can't come and you better not take pictures of anybody who's there. Don't call the cops. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Oh. Well, hey, we got to ask uh, our, our fearless wingmen here, Nat and Zerm, if they have any great Halloween costumes or stories. Yes, give it to me. Let's see. I'm trying to think what my best costume has ever been when i was uh when i was younger i had a <laughs> i tried to dye my hair uh, i wanted to dye my hair like blonde because this was like fifth grade and i thought it'd be super cool if i dyed my hair blonde uh, that's what all the, shady action yeah exactly that's what all the cool kids were doing so <laughs> i um I went and got my hair dyed and it really came out as more of like a orange than a blonde so i had like this like really light streak in my hair it was it was all bad that was not a that was not a peak year for me in fifth grade mm. um <laughs> not but, a lot of to the dance huh no no nobody wanted to come with the kid with the orange hair but i i decided that that year i could be harry potter and i put on some glasses and i put a little lightning bolt on my forehead and i put on a cape and i'm gonna tell you what i uh i think i legitimately looked exactly like harry potter and that's probably oh the best <laughs> best costume that i've ever had all, th all thanks to a mishap with a uh, blonde streak in my hair so you, you were quite the cool guy there harry potter i was uh, look guys fifth grade me was doing big things so uh, <laughs> i'm killing it i like how you turn a negative into a positive that's a really good uh, message for all those kids out there that download the podcast all right matt what do you got all right so Besides my amazing Cheech and Chong costume last year. <laughs> that was great. Uh, Shocker. All she my, did was she got really stoned and then walked around. <laughs> that is around not what I did. <laughs> Mom, look at me. I'm high. <laughs> I'm Snoop Dogg. No, I'm just Wow, chong. okay. Where's Khalifa a year? Uh, Snoop Dogg a year. <laughs> okay, that's really funny because my actual answer is my friend and I, freshman year of college, were Snoop Dogg and Tupac. And I'm not no joking. Way. Of course. <laughs> Good. Pretty it was good. great. Cultural like, appropriation, but we'll let it slide. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was a it, long time ago. <laughs> please tell me you didn't have blackface on that. Oh, my God. <laughs> she went blackface to the Halloween. Imagine. Right. No, definitely didn't do that. But I did draw, like, the mustache, the goatee. I put, like, the two pigtails that he had right on the side of his head. And I smoked a whole bunch of reefer <laughs> to really sell it. <laughs> That's awesome. So did you, did you have any killer parties that you went to or – I mean, freshman year, we went to some parties that were pretty wild. <laughs> but other than yeah. that, no. I mean, nothing too crazy. I actually trick-or-treated like a few years ago, <laughs> which was fun. Oh, wow. Because we wanted to get as much candy as we could as adults. Um, and people actually gave it to us, so it was good. <laughs> Can I be the first to tell you you're too old to trick-or-treat, Nat, if no one's told you that? No one's too old to trick-or-treat. If you have a good true. costume... They will give you candy, and they'll appreciate the fact that you want to come and trick-or-treat. If you're an adult and you trick-or-treat in my house, I'm punching you in the throat. <laughs> Let that be known. Uh, Anybody listening? I once, uh, I once wore – I had a orange, um, an orange Dennis Northcutt Browns jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Vintage. Um, 
and a uh, so one year I wore that and I wore a Cleveland Indians hat and I walked around the neighborhood telling people I was a Cleveland fan and I a lot of people were not happy with me and did not uh, give me candy. <laughs> yeah, so if, you're, awesome. if you're an adult and you knock on my my door, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's tr- trespassing or breaking and entering, and I'm gonna defend my household at your throat. So you should call the cops. Well, hey, you know what? I, I heard it's Halloween here this week, but uh, you know what else? Roger Goodell just pinged me and let me know that they're still playing NFL games, even though it is Halloween. I kind of oh, thought wow. it was like a bye week for the league to celebrate Halloween. So uh, maybe we should talk a little bit of NFL football. What do you guys think? I'm down with that, man. What do we got? Tee us up. All right. I think uh, around the league quick hits is where we should start because we just went through the trade deadline. And there was all sorts of trades, a lot of things that were maybe surprising. Some of the things we expected to happen didn't. And I think we should start with Demarius Thomas to the Texans. What do you think about that, Hawk? Man, I I didn't think the market was what people thought it would be for receivers. After Amari Cooper went for a first-rounder to the Cowboys, you would imagine Demarius Thomas and Golden Tate, who also got traded, you'd get more from I actually didn't mind the Tate trade, but Demarius Thomas, for only a fourth-rounder, and they had to give up a seventh rounder. It didn't like now. Demarius Thomas is your two. That seems like a kind of a spoiling of riches at, at the Texans. So I don't know. I I guess I, I get they wanted to de- to deal them, you know. But I, I didn't think they got what they probably were looking out to get. My surprise with that trade was that the Broncos seemingly have kind of given up on their season. To me, when whenever you start trading some of your more important players, the message always is to the other people on the team that we have given up on this season. We don't think we can win anymore. We're not putting everything we have into this season, and we're going to buy time and start saving assets for next season. So I know that the Broncos haven't had the season they expected, but it seems like to me – it's still a little bit too early to start dumping guys like Demarius Thomas, who by all accounts is a good leader in that locker room. He's, in my opinion, their best receiver, and he's still got a lot left. I think he's 30 years old, but he can still play football really well. And so for the Texans, I think they they got a great deal out of this, especially now that they had to replace Will Fuller, and they were looking for that number two who complements DeAndre Hopkins really well because Demarius Thomas is not a take-the-top-off-the-defense guy. He's more of the underneath guy, good hands, and I think he fits great with – uh, what that offensive system needed. When are we going to be allowed to say that John Elway isn't good? Are we uh, not going to get there yet? Not yet. Here's what I'm going to say. Elway, great player, obviously. And then he won a Super Bowl in Denver. So he's got himself bought a lot of time before people it. are going to start hating on him. I think the problem is, though, he just hasn't been able to figure out that quarterback position. And when you are a stud quarterback the way he has been, eventually they're going to say, look, we need you to find that quarterback. That is supposed to be what your expertise is. You've tried it with a couple different guys here now already. Paxton Lynch, first-round pick, was a total bust. Now Case Keenum not really doing everything that uh, they had Brock kind of expected. Osweiler. Brock Osweiler. I mean, they, they've swung and, mu- and missed a few times. And at some point, I think he's still got some time. But in the next, I would say, two to three years, if he doesn't find that franchise quarterback, there's going to be some hard questions right now. And he better find it quick. It's tough for greats to be like – it's like Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, Jordan is probably a, a terrible basketball coach. He's probably the worst. He's probably like, why don't you just fake left, right, left and do a fadeaway and make it? What are you doing, kid? <laughs> like that's yeah. what John Elway is to, to finding quarterbacks in Denver. Like, here, just just do this. Just do what that – just do what me and Peyton did. It's easy. Mm-hmm. No, John, it's not easy. All right? And now you're giving away top receivers for bargain basement prices. I don't know. I don't like it, Joe. What we got next, man? 
All right, Golden Tate to the Eagles. This one was surprising to me because I feel like Detroit has got a great chance to win the AFC, uh, the NFC North. If they don't win it, they might get a wild card. I, I really think that they're probably my favorite, even though uh, the Vikings are right up there, and I think most people would say they're the favorites. I love the Lions. I think they've been playing great. they got a defense that can play right now. Matt Patricia's got the entire team playing well. Matt Stafford's always dangerous. And you go get rid of Golden Tate. I mean – he was going to be a free agent after this year anyway, mm-hmm. but if he left, they probably would have got a fourth round pick at the end of this season. So they get rid of him now for a third round pick, not a huge uh, improvement in draft status for getting rid of a guy that's such a huge part of that offense. But also I think he set a physical tone from that receiver position that I don't know that they have right now. I know your boy uh, Marvin Jones is still there, but mm-hmm. the way the way Golden played after he caught the ball, the way he would run people over, the way he would try to play like a big guy with that physicalness, that attitude, to me that brought something to that offense that was special, that was worth more than just sliding up from the fourth round to a third round pick. I, I think that Golden Tate is one of the most underrated receivers in the league, if not the most underrated receiver in the league. I mean, when you look at his yak, you look at it, what he does after the ball, he's just been consistent. He's not a, like a sexy receiver. Like you're not going to watch him and be like, Oh, man, this guy is so good. But you're talking about consistent year in, year out. Doesn't matter the team. Know what you're getting. It wasn't surprising to me that they dealt him. They do feel good about the Galloway kid who is young um, and is a, a big guy and a deep ball threat. And then Marvin Jones has come on strong. So maybe I, I just felt like there was something behind the scenes that maybe we're just not privy to besides that they couldn't get the yeah. deal done, which is what it seemed like. Yeah, I think Matt Patricia, he's a Patriots guy. He's not going to put up with some personality issues that maybe he foresees in the locker room. Uh, a, a lot of guys as a head coach, they like some of that fieriness, some of that competitiveness that maybe comes out in confrontationalness in the locker room. Yeah. But uh, a guy like Matt Patricia with his New England background might just not like that. He no. just wants a bunch of robots that show up and do their job and go home, which is fine. I mean, it's worked really well for Bill Belichick. So maybe there was something behind the scenes with Golden Tate that we don't know because he is a fiery personality. My favorite trade of the NFL was Dante Fowler to the Rams. The oh, Rams really? Tell us why. are going for broke, man. I love it. And mm. how could you be a Rams fan and not love what they're doing? They're like, I don't give well, a damn about future draft capital. We are putting our franchise in a terrible spot in future years. But we are going for the ring right now, damn it. And I don't care. They got Dante Fowler and Dominican Sue and Aaron Donald rushing the quarterback. That shit is scary. And I love it, man. I, I just love how they're just going for it right now. Yeah, I mean, Dante Fowler, he wasn't really the player that they expected when they drafted him high in the first round a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But I think you pair him with Ndamukong Sue and Aaron Donald, and all of a sudden he's going to look like a pro bowler because <laughs> right. he's not going to have the attention. He's going to have way more opportunity where the quarterback can't step up in the pocket because of that pass rush up at the inside. So some of those plays where the quarterback just steps up that he had in Jacksonville, now the quarterback can't do that, and it might turn into sacks, sack fumbles. And when we look at sacks, when you have 12, 16 sacks in a season, people talk about that's all pro stats, right? That's 12 to 16 plays in a season. And if you're already an eight-sack guy, we're only talking about four to eight extra plays that you make during a season. And so Aaron Donald and, and Dominican Sue not allowing those quarterback to step, step up six, eight times, all of a sudden Dante Fowler is a pro bowler. And now it looks like they got a steal from the Jacksonville Jaguars. A steal. Joe, can we get your, your draft deadline story? 
just a good time. I you know like the recycle oh. stories on mm-hmm. here, and that was yeah. one of my favorite days. What year was it? Twenty fifteen. Oh God, I can't even remember. Ray Farmer was the GM, but Ray I don't Farmer remember was how the long GM. Was. And we were like, "Yo, they're about to they're about to trade Joe." And Joe, who was just like he is on the show, he's a fun-loving guy, tell stories, sit down, talk. I sat with him in the in the lunchroom that day. I'm like, hey, Joe, what's going on, man? And he gave me with the, what's up? Head down, <laughs> just right back to eating. I'm like, oh, shit, this is real. They're really about to trade this dude. He had this, like, anxiety-filled look on his face, like, the uncertainty. You know how weird it is to see uh, a guy who never misses a snap of football with anxiety and uncertainty consume his entire body you could just see it in his face man and i thought it was a good i was actually sitting down to say congratulations because we sucked that year we were terrible there was mm-hmm. very similar turn turmoil within the organization like there was this year yeah. and it was he was about to get dealt to the denver broncos who were killing it peyton manning is there and i'm like oh man this guy deserves a Super Bowl, and he has a chance to get one. So I was coming to sit down and be like, hey, you hear the rumors, man? That's pretty cool. And that was not what the reaction was, Joseph. Give us a little <laughs> – tell the, tell the fans yeah. the story, please. Well, I, I'm not going to recite the entire story, but I'll give you, you a little bit of flavor from, from your perspective. So up until that point, I'd heard a lot of rumors about Denver trying to trade for me because their left tackle had gone down. They had Peyton Manning. They had a team that ended up winning the Super Bowl. So they knew that they wanted to do something at left tackle to try to protect Peyton throughout the rest of uh, the run and hopefully a Super Bowl. And so they were talking to the Browns at first. I didn't really believe it, but then the whispers started to get louder. And then as the trade deadline got closer, now my agent starts calling me, telling me like, hey, look, it's legitimate. Um, the Broncos have offered X, Y, Z. I can't remember exactly what it was. It was like, like nine first rounders. <laughs> no, it, wasn't it was like crazy. a deal that we definitely should have took. <laughs> yeah, it was like, <laughs> We'd probably uh, be a winning organization had we executed that deal, <laughs> but continue. Yeah, I want to say Denver was going to give up their first round pick from that year like the the player he was a pass rusher i can't remember what his name was he's kind of been okay i can't remember what his name was Shane something was that shane shane ray shane ray and it was was shane ray and a first round pick yeah it was like shane ray and a first rounder at the time it was like shane ray and a second rounder and the browns said no and then right before the deadline it was i think it was shane ray and a first rounder it was like a first and a third it was like big compensation and truthfully i think ray farmer would have done that if he wasn't so much on the hot seat but i think in his mind he was thinking that hey if i trade this guy this might be the straw that breaks the camel's back at this point you know i'd made already seven pro bowls or something like that and Mm -hmm. was uh, one of the faces of the franchise and so that that would have been big news and if people in the organization or fans really hated that move, which maybe they would have, maybe they wouldn't, I don't know. But if they would have, that could have been like the reason you never want the reason that you get fired to happen. And so I think he just went with the safe approach, which was to do nothing and let the trade deadline pass. And as we all know, the Broncos ended up winning the Super Bowl that year. Ray (laughs) Farmer got fired at the end of that season anyway. (laughs) So it really didn't matter. But um, I, I had, I had, heard about it and so i remember sitting at that that lunch table with you and it was either like right before practice i think it was right before and i knew like 
the trade deadline was four or five hours away. So it was going to happen or not happen while we were at practice. So I was either going to have like the Grim Reaper come grab me and snatch me out of practice and say, Hey, you're moving to Denver (laughs) or nothing was going to happen. And I didn't really want to get traded. Obviously to be traded to that situation would be incredible. Um, outside of obviously them winning the Super Bowl and having Peyton Manning and Denver being a great city. Those, those were all obviously really big positives to going there, but I didn't really want to leave Cleveland. I was still, I still felt like we were building something and I, I, I loved the city and the team and the organization. And so it was really stressful. Like for, for a guy like Hawk who's moved a gazillion times and played for a thousand teams, yeah. it probably wasn't a big deal. And you'd have been like, oh, great, that's awesome. I'm going to play like for a better team. Ray. I'm like, hey, throw me in the deal. Yeah, exactly. I got this but podcast me, idea. I want to go with them. <laughs> yeah, for me, I wasn't exactly hot on that, so I was super stressed out. And for a guy that always liked to be optimistic and happy-go-lucky and positive and energetic, I was uh, definitely not myself at that lunch. I probably didn't even have an appetite and maybe only had three hamburgers for that lunch. That's it, man. You were really trying to hold back that time. Yeah, yeah. that was my. That was crazy. Crazy times, so, Joe. Crazy times. Anyways, was- uh, one of the trades that I love the most was right here coming up. Ty Montgomery from the Packers to the Ravens. The reason I love this is because I was on a couple radio shows yesterday talking about the Ty Montgomery situation. And for those of you that aren't familiar, spell it out. Ty Montgomery was a Packers running back receiver kick returner. Right at the end of the game, Rams versus Packers, he was going back to return the kickoff. He was told, don't bring the ball to the end zone because it was right before the two-minute warning and you were basically going to get an extra timeout if you just took a touchback and then Aaron Rodgers was going to have his two-minute offense, go down the field, score a touchdown, and win the game like he always does. Ty Montgomery was upset about what had happened earlier in the game, so selfishly he decided, screw these guys. I'm going to take the ball out of the end zone anyway. I don't care what the situation is. I don't care what I was told by the coaches. And lo and behold, Karma slaps him right upside the head and knocks the ball out. He fumbles, game over, Packers lose. After the game, he ducks the media Monday morning comes by. He still hasn't taken any accountability for his actions, for his selfish actions that caused the team to lose. And so one of the anonymous players in the locker rooms goes and snitches to Mike Silver and talks about how bad of a teammate he is and how he won't take accountability for the terrible move that he made and that this has just been uh, one thing after another with this player. And I went out and said yesterday quite clearly that the Packers need to make this guy accountable for his actions because even after he did talk to the media, he still wanted to make it about the snitch more than the incredible selfish mistake that he made on the Sunday. And so that rubbed me the wrong way. And Mm -hmm. I almost questioned the Packers a little bit by saying, look, there needs to be accountability within that building. And that's probably why the snitch felt like he had to take matters in his own hands and call this guy out because that snitch didn't feel that he was going to be properly punished for losing the game in such a selfish manner on Sunday. And lo and behold, the Packers must be big Tomahawk show fans because they went out and did the ultimate hold you accountable thing by getting your ass out of town, trading him to the Ravens for a bag of used footballs and a couple (laughs) of Andrew Hawkins rookie cards, man. Jeez. He could, there's yeah. no way Aaron Rodgers is going to look that dude in the face. Like that, you're, the relationship is broken. At that point, you had to go. Like it was either we were going to just send you home and suspend you indefinitely, or we are trading you because nobody wants to so, look you in the face anymore. Quick question here, Hawk. Do you think the snitch was wrong by going to the media anonymously and talking shit about the player, Ty Montgomery, that deliberately disobeyed the coach's orders? Yes, I do think Aaron Rodgers was wrong for that because. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. 
here's the thing. You gotta like you have to live behind your words, man. That's one thing. I don't care whatever the situation is. I'm not saying Ty Montgomery wasn't wrong. He was wrong as two left shoes, man. I completely agree. But you still don't do the anonymous source thing. Like I hate that with a passion. Like I have never been an anonymous source. I put that I will take put that on everything that I love and I hate people who are anonymous sources so much so I remember when the Browns were getting a ton of anonymous sources and I was just trying to like dispel that was by the way. Yeah, of course it was you, Joe. I remember <laughs> sitting beside you, you sit in the text to everybody like the mass text of the media. Under an anonymous I had the, uh, the bat phone just for snitching to the media about guys like you. <laughs> yeah, I heard Andrew Hawkins. He, he didn't wear his iPads today in practice. <laughs> Make sure you, you write that in the article. <laughs> yeah, not an anonymous source guy. You got to live behind your words. That's why I don't get when. Who's the safety from the, from the Giants? Landon Collins? Landon Collins, who was a beast of a football player. He comes out and he dogs Eli Apple, a teammate. He says he's a terrible teammate. He needs the X, Y, and Z. He's doing this bad. He's doing that bad. He's, he's causing turmoil. And everybody was like, oh, that's not right. He called his team. I'm like, we can't say that we hate anonymous sources on one hand and then punish yep. a guy for saying what he feels and what he yep. believes. Like, I'm all for that. I would much rather you call me out face-to-face than be an anonymous source. Talk to me like a man. Tell me what the issue is, and let's handle it like men do. With the fist of cuffs. Yeah, baby. You all never right? fought anybody in your life. You oh, don't have enough wild. of a long Anybody who's ever ass. fought me will tell you I swing first. Every time, 100%. <laughs> Every fight I've time. ever had, I swing first. Period. <laughs> as soon as I get the, the even the, the smallest feeling that it's a confrontation, as soon as I get the, the light bulb goes off, like, hey, this, might, this is a fight. This, this is a fight brewing. It could be six minutes before the actual fight would actually happen, progress to, boom, punch, thrown, period. Uh, that's great. So to me, it's all about hierarchy, right? There, there's clearly a hierarchy in the coaching staff, in the front office, and in the locker room, right? In in Green Bay, clearly it's Aaron Rodgers at the top, right? Then after that, it's probably Clay Matthews and Devontae Adams. And, you know, you could argue kind of from that point on down. And so if you're a player that's underneath a player on the totem pole or the hierarchy scale, you cannot talk shit publicly to the media about the guy above you. But... If you're the guy below, you have to make sure it's anonymous. And that's why these anonymous sources happen. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, I could talk about whoever I want because I swing the biggest bat in that locker room. So that's why I think whoever was the snitch in Green Bay was somebody who was way, way, way down in the locker room. It may have even been Ty Montgomery's backup, for all I know. But it was somebody that knew that he was low on the totem pole and he could not put his name on it, but he wanted to make a positive impact for the team. So I'm actually going to say, in this situation, calling him out on the carpet was good for the team because it got everybody on the outside to put additional pressure on Ty Montgomery for his actions, for the way he prepares, the way he goes about his business on Sundays, and the way he selfishly prepares for games and then goes out and disobeys a coach's orders. And it was also a warning shot. It was a warning shot to the organization that this dude is a cancer. We need to get rid of him. And look what happened. Results. Man. They got rid of him. They traded him, so the anonymous source, it worked. Now, me personally... <laughs> I like to call people out in the media and put my name on it. If you go back several years ago, we had a player named Peyton Hillis who I thought was acting very selfishly, who did some things that hurt the team and hurt himself in the end. So what did I do? I went out and I talked shit about him to the media <laughs> and I put my name on it. So you could you could make sure you know who should get credit for Yours saying the truly, right things. Joe Thomas. This player. I love it. I never talk stuff on a teammate, man. 
I have to their face, not in the media though. I start I start to their face first, and then if anybody <laughs> talks stuff on me in the media, then I would respond in the media. But have you guys right. had any teammates talk about you either to the media or like in the locker room or something like that behind your back, and you found out? Um, maybe nah, not really. I could care less to be honest. I'm I'm that kind of guy. I'm that teammate that doesn't really care what you think. Literally, I honestly and truly don't care what you think. We're here to do a job. Let's do our jobs and keep it moving. So. Opinions are like, you know what, we all got them. All right, let's move on to Nathan Peterman. The ghost of Nathan Peterman passed on Halloween. He's back. He is the starter again in Buffalo, and I don't even know where to begin. And I, and I hate to go here because I think Nathan Peterman is probably a great kid. He's probably an incredible guy. Um, how, how about the resolve? He, he, how about the resolve of that guy to be able to continue is, to show his face and show up for is work? Is that what we're calling that, Resolve. Dude, he has put together the worst performances in the history of NFL quarterbacking, and he still faces the media with bravery. Oh he still gosh. goes out there and does his job. I Honestly, Terrible I have take. nothing but respect for him. I know you hate him. I but don't hate him. He is unkillable. I do not hate him. I actually love him. And you're right. No, he not probably person, does have his, his game. I'm his, not, yeah, nothing personal. Nothing of course. personal. It's nothing personal. It's just he's not playing well as a quarterback. Here's why I hate that, Joe. Again, my entire life was built around the notion that if you are the best, you will get your opportunity, right? So I literally devoted everything of my life to playing in the NFL under the guise that once I got there and showed I belong, that I would be able to stay there. And once I showed I had the ability and more than the rest, I would get my opportunity. So for a guy, I don't call it resolve that Nathan Peterman is a starter. I call it stupidity. I call it going against the football gods. I call it... There will be a wrath to come down in the Buffalo Bills that will sting forever. Why do you keep putting this kid in the game? Are you kidding me? He is terrible. Go find someone on the street. You mean to tell me Derek Anderson, who was golfing for the last year, he's been scratching his butt, eating bonbons, and watching scandal um, marathons on whatever network it's on, and he came in and he was a better quarterback than what you have in, in, in your locker room? So go find somebody else. This is not the best. This is not one of the 32 best quarterbacks available. Period. He should not be starting. And I feel like this should be a stain on the head coach. Whoever keeps putting this guy in, they should wear the interceptions with him. They should wear the terrible passer rating. They should wear the terrible results and all of that. There is no world where a guy should get this many chances in professional football and play as bad as he has. Well, what do you want to do? It's not. They got Nate's no other fault. options. They already tried to go with the armchair golfer and Derek Anderson, and he got hurt. They just signed Terrell Pryor. Terrell so Pryor is a better option than Nathan Peterman at quarterback. <laughs> go look at their go look at their passer rating stats. I want to say Terrell Pryor's career passer rating is like seventy nine, quarterback rating. Nathan Peterman's is like thirty five. Most. So you're new, saying that's bad? <laughs> most new has a better passer rating than Nathan Peterman. Wow, it's it's bad. Right. I'm sorry. Again, okay. if his family's listening, I'm sorry. I apologize. I don't. It's not personal. This is a. I, I wouldn't go to the NBA and expect someone to start me at the two. Mm-hmm. I'm not that yeah. good. And when the fans <laughs> and everyone tells me like, "Yo, why is Andrew Hawkins starting at the two for the Portland Trailblazers?" My family's not going to be offended. I don't belong <laughs> there. I'm not good enough to be there. I tried. I shouldn't be there. That's that's just my that's just my thinking. I'm sorry. So one thing is for sure is that Nathan Peterman's family has already one star rated us and unsubscribed their Tomahawk <laughs> subscriptions. So you don't, you don't have to worry anymore. at all about his family listening to this show. 
All right, man, let's move on. Uh, I think it's time for the matchups of the week, the Tomahawk matchups of the week. Who do you got, Hawk? I got the Rams and Saints, two high-powered offense, um, except the Rams have a good defense as well. So I want to see the Rams defense against the Saints offense. Um, I think that will be the determining factor for the game. But these are the two leaders and my two picks to go to the Super Bowl. And I say two picks because I picked two different teams. One in the ESPN and one here on the Tomahawk Show, just to mm. hedge my bet a little bit. So I want to mm. see what happens. I want to see which one of me is right. But it's a good feeling to know that I'll be right either way this weekend. A veteran prognosticator. I love it. Just picking everybody I'm so you can't be wrong. So when one of those teams wins, you get to circle it and highlight it in our show on Monday and talk about how smart you are. <laughs> I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> All right. My uh, Tomahawk matchup of the week is... Packers versus Patriots and of course most people are interested in seeing the two greatest quarterbacks of our generation Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers battle it out probably a high-flying shootout bunch of passing yards bunch of touchdowns but for me I'm excited to watch this a little differently because the Packers just traded two starters yesterday Ty Montgomery, haha, Clinton Dix. And those were guys that were impact players for the team. Mm-hmm. So the Packers are 3 3 and 1 right now. They're right in the middle of the pack. And this is really kind of a turning point because you lose this game after a, a tough loss last week. You just traded away two starters. And now the message coming out of that locker room and the message in that media surrounding the Packers is going to be that they're playing for next year. This is not a team that can compete anymore. So for them, this is a turning point. You beat the Patriots now, on the other hand. Oh, now all of a sudden you're back to being a team that is expected to compete for the Super Bowl. You got a chance to go back and compete against the Rams to be that team that comes out of the NFC. So this is an enormous game for the Packers because to me, this is make or break for their season. I love that. What is the individual matchups you want to watch this week? And don't give me Brady Rogers. No, no, I'm not going to give you Brady Rogers. Trust me. I mean, we're going to watch that. It's Sunday night football. That's going to be exciting as it is. I'm going to get my stir crazy popcorn going. I'm going to have a few 73 Colches at the ready, and then I'll probably fall asleep about nine o'clock as soon as the baby falls asleep. But, My Tomahawk individual matchup of the week is Patrick Mahomes versus Miles Garrett. Kansas City, Cleveland, not a game that so many people are going to watch. Obviously, everybody thinks Kansas City is going to win big. The Browns just fired their head coach and offensive coordinator. They just named uh, Greg Williams, their defensive coordinator, as the head coach. And I cannot wait to see Miles Garrett go against the young Patrick Mahomes, the sensation. Two guys in the same draft class, Miles Garrett, somehow is even getting better as the season goes on. So Miles Garrett, if he was playing on a better team, he would be in the running for the NFL Defensive Player of the Year. And as we know, Patrick Mahomes setting the world on fire. He's probably the front runner for the overall NFL MVP. So it'll be fun to watch that matchup because the left tackle right now for the Kansas City Chiefs is a guy named Eric Fisher. He was the first overall pick a few years ago. He's never quite lived up to the expectations. He's always been good enough to keep his job, but never great, especially against guys that like to dip and rip and turn the corner and then come back downhill on quarterbacks. Now, Patrick Mahomes, he runs an offense that gets him out of the pocket a lot. He gets rid of the ball quickly. He's a little bit difficult to zero in on and target, but I think Miles Garrett is going to whoop up on Eric Fisher. He's going to hit Patrick Mahomes early and often, and there's an opportunity for Miles to single-handedly keep the Browns in this game and give an opportunity to have Baker Mayfield win this thing down the stretch. Do the Browns win, Joe? I believe the Browns win, and this is (laughs) mainly why. Over and above what I just said. I don't mean to laugh, but... 
when people are going to call it homers for sure. Huge amount of turmoil, like the Browns had this week. Fired head coach, fired offensive coordinator. What the hell's going on? They people say they gave up on the Steelers in the second half last week. You bring a new guy in there, Greg Williams. There's going to be a new energy, a new enthusiasm. A lot of times that turmoil kind of is shown through the body on the field as energy. And I think that energy is going to allow them to keep this thing really close. I think that stadium is truly going to be electric. Even though the Browns are 2-5-1, and one, the, the, the Browns fans know that the Chiefs are coming to town, the best team in the AFC right now. And this is going to be a fun battle between two exciting young quarterbacks and Patrick Mahomes and Miles Garrett. And I think that energy, a lot of times in the NFL, causes teams to bounce back in a huge way in the first game after this turmoil. Greg Williams, interim head coach, is it the right move? Yeah, so for me, if I'm the Browns, there was two potential guys that you could make the head coach. One, Greg Williams, and the other one is uh, Al Saunders. Both guys would have been great op- options. Both guys have previous head coaching experience in the NFL. Al Saunders is a uh, offensive assistant, so he didn't have a specific role. So to me, I would have probably chosen him because then he doesn't take a, have to take any time away from his normal duties to now be the head coach. But Greg Williams is a great, great opportunity, a a great option. He can easily step away from being just strictly the defensive coordinator, take on more for the last eight games of the season. And he's a great motivator. He's a guy, like I mentioned, that has that experience. Everybody in that locker room respects him. And I think he's going to get the most out of the team for the rest of the way. You don't think any issues with uh, no, no bounty gate issues with you. And where was he the head coach at? I think, Honestly, most of the guys in the Browns weren't even alive when Bounty Gate happened. They're all like 17 <laughs> years old anyway. Okay. All right. I take it. I take your word for it. I like Greg Williams. I think he's done a great job with the defense. I don't want to be mm-hmm. the guy to say that Brownie Gate wasn't that big of a deal because I don't believe that as a receiver. Bounty Gate, not Brownie Gate. Huh? What did I say? Bounty, Bounty Gate. You said Brownie Gate. Yeah, That's Brownie something Gate. different. That's what we'll call That's him as a head coach. Greg Williams as a head coach is called Brownie Gate. Wow. That's amazing, Joe. Love what you did there. All right, let's move on to the next one. I don't think I gave my matchup. My matchup is James Conner versus the Ravens defense. The Ravens versus the Pittsburgh Steelers has been the most consistent rivalry in the AFC North. They they both just get up to another level when they play each other. James Conner, who has actually played really, really well this season and, and surpassed expectations, and there's a Le'Veon Bell stuff going on, this will be the real test for James Conner. If James Conner goes out here and he puts up the numbers he's been putting up all season – in this game, how, how important it is in the division, um, as well as all the headlines that have been around him and Le'Veon Bell, I feel like the Steelers will be 110% committed to him being the guy in perpetuity, regardless of when Le'Veon Bell comes back and if he comes back and what to do moving forward. So, yeah, that's, that's my take. That's my matchup of the week. All right, next segment, something I'm really excited about actually this week. It's the DraftKings Week 8 winner and Pick'em updates. Uh, the winner from last week was Kung Futhius. Great name, by the way, with 207.16 points. That's an exceptional job, but not as good as this one because the closest to 73.16 is T Believer with 73 points exactly. And the mastery of this victory for closest to 73.16 by T Believer was that he started Derek Anderson as a quarterback, <laughs> which allowed him to capture practically zero points at the most important position. Genius. And you know what? As the winner of the guy who's closest to 73-16, you get nothing but a shout-out <laughs> from the Tomahawk Show. But for those who can reach the what seems like an impossible feat of getting 73.16 points exactly, 
we have 500 Smackaroos cash, and as well as Kung Futhius. Kung Futhius. I love that name. <laughs> Make sure you reach out to us if you're listening, and anybody else who is one that hasn't collected their earnings, you have to get in touch with us at tomahawkshow at gmail.com. And we will go through the verification process and make sure that you get your $73.16. I did not do well this week, per usual. I was 312th place. I think my average over the last three or four weeks is around 304 out of 350. So that's not great. Firm sucked as well. He went 255th. Um, Nat was 221. And Joe is the winner of the audience-facing members of the Tomahawk with 109 firm thoughts yeah i'm uh i'm apparently trash at DraftKings. um but i you know i keep <laughs> every week i'm gonna keep on moving forward keep on picking the wrong players and uh <laughs> we will see uh see where it goes but hawk we gotta talk man you can't keep finishing 300th or worse we gotta get you into the 200 you know what it's funny because i do my you guys pressure me to do my lineups by a certain time so i don't get to put the the right focus and the right amount of time in to be successful and then when I get into the games on Sunday, I'm looking at players in sweatsuits, and I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I started him. He's on my team. So that was my biggest issue is the injury reports. The, everyone's doing the New England-style injury report, so I never know who's playing and who's not. So I had a couple of guys playing that actually didn't, didn't play. Um, TD, never scored a TD, who was a producer here. He placed third, I believe. Or at one point, he was third. Which is crazy because at one point, how how does that work? Well, no, I think he ended up fourth or something like that. Yeah, because I think it was before the Monday night game or something. So he was third, like going into it. Anyway, he ended up fourth. <laughs> TD. So we, I, we get like a halftime report now. Oh, yeah, I was third after the first quarter. <laughs> I've never been above like one hundred in the last four weeks. But anyway, TD, whose football opinion I wouldn't take if he was the last person on earth. As much as I love him. I wouldn't take his suggestions on it. He does know football, but still, I don't. TD, if you're listening, I, I, with, with all due respect, I have no respect. The guy finishes, he has like two top ten finishes, and it's, I'm jealous is basically what it boils down to. I'm just be honest. I'm jealous. TD is the biggest nerd that I know, and he knows almost <laughs> nothing about sports. And yet, he <laughs> continues to dominate us at fantasy football. I cannot so maybe wait something's wrong TD with the listener. To this. I can't wait till uh, he hears this episode. Yeah, but more importantly, the update on Nat's multi-thousand dollar coffee maker is she will have to wait until (laughs) another week because 221st ain't cutting it on the Tomahawk show. TD is trying to convince me to have him set my lineup for me so that I can get the coffee maker. That would actually make sense. You'll be drinking some delicious Mila coffee this week. She has to finish one overall, right? No, 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 no. Top, five. top five. Top five. Top five. So I could have gotten it this week you, if, if he set my lineup. If he set your lineup, you would have gotten it this week. But I'm going to go for the 7316 this week. That's what my – this week's <laughs> strategy is I'm going for the 7316. I think it's time to move on to our, uh, our Ask Nat segment. Joe, you got some questions for us? I do. We've got two questions for Ask Nat this week. These come from our listeners. And the first one is from Spooky Survivor. If uh, somehow you are <laughs> – inspired to follow him on twitter he is at evil russia bear uh and he asks count me in sounds enticing (laughs) and he's got 184 followers uh just to give you a little idea so he asks what antics would happen if at joe thomas 73 and at hawk freaky fridayed and switched bodies (laughs) that's a weird question yeah that is a weird question 
The Halloween question. If they, sw- oh, I love that movie. By the way, what would happen? What would Joe do if he was me? Yeah, what would I do like if I was Hawk that I couldn't do if I was me? So much flips, sprinting. Yeah, I feel like he would bend down and pick things up. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> wow, check the- look at these joints. They feel probably. We can do a different go question. Get some more swag. Ooh. <laughs> oh, Joe, cool. how do you feel about that? If I was Joe, is that too harsh? I'm the guy wearing the Eeyore suit right now, so that's a pretty low bar. <laughs> if Hawk was Joe, he might get a fancy coffee maker and spend a lot of money on stuff. Grab something off the top shelf. Oh, here's what we don't realize is Hawk is super rich. A sports center on Snapchat pays him like $10 million an episode. So he could, he, if he drank anything besides Mountain Dew, he could have an expensive coffee maker. I uh, know. That $10 million was Or a so Mountain hard. Dew maker. Not, oh, yeah, oh, gosh. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? stream. Right, they make that. Let's give, us, give us another ask that question. Ask I'm that. just watching two. all these weird costumes roll through hood yet uninterrupted offices. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so Ryan Kristoff, RYGuy9915 on Twitter asks, Nat, what is your favorite Halloween candy? My favorite Halloween candy has to be. Don't say candy corn or you're off the No, show. ew. Candy corn is disgusting. That's like serial killer candy. Um... <laughs> My favorite candy would have to be either the mini M&Ms, you know, that come in the little tube. I was always obsessed with those. Or gummy bears. I love gummy bears. So those are my top two favorites. Or midnight Milky Ways. That's three. Candy corn being the official candy of serial killers is my favorite tomahawk take (laughs) of all time. That's going down in history. Here's a Halloween question for you. Whoppers. Do you like them or don't? I feel like they're very divisive. Whoppers are disgusting. They're not disgusting. Okay. I don't mind Whoppers. I love Whoppers. Whoppers Alex Mack and I were the only guys in the offensive line room that loved Whoppers. And so when I'd bring all the extra Halloween candy that I uh, stole from my children into the old line room and we'd eat it for like months, <laughs> him and I were the only ones that would eat the Whoppers. Everyone else would just reject them. And I didn't realize that they were so divisive until that moment because I grew up in a family that loved Whoppers. Thank you very much. Hey, fudge rounds. You guys ever had fudge rounds? I've never, never even heard, heard of that. I don't think so. They're little Debbie, little basically like little chocolate hamburgers. It's just chocolate on the outside, swirled with uh, icing chocolate, and the inside is everything about it is chocolate. It comes like, you know what oatmeal cream pies are? Yeah. No. They're similar to oatmeal cream pie. You don't know what an oatmeal cream pie is? No. Sheltered oh, life. Gosh. <laughs> what are we doing? Oatmeal cream pies. There's like nine of them in a little box. They used to be like a dollar nine. Okay. Well, fudge rounds is like the super duper extra chocolatey version. Long story short, I would get those boxes and I would eat all nine of them immediately. And if you knew what a fudge round was, you would probably think it's disgusting. But since no one does, we're going to move on from this awkwardness. And I love I love them. I, I'm all over it, Hawk. I think it must be something of our generation. These these young wingmen we've got on Tomahawk Show just they're they're more into uh, shitty stuff. Like you know what I whatever. used to like that I can't eat anymore is those pixie sticks or like fun dip. Those yeah. just yeah. pure oh, sugar. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I oh got the chills God. when you said that word. <laughs> but <laughs> Hawk, you drink like 75 Mountain Dews a day, so what's the difference? Yeah, well. That's right. It's basically a Mountain Dew is basically taking a pixie stick into a cup of water and <laughs> throwing it in the fridge. Uh, I was a big pixie stick kid too, by the way. Yeah, of course whatever. you were. Did you snort them? Yes. We yep. used to snort those things. I don't know why. We were so in my eyelid, my eyelids. <laughs> no, I didn't really snort them. I can check the cocaine. pixie sticks. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that does it for today's version of the Tomahawk Show. Make sure you are following us on social media at Tomahawk Show. 
Hit us up with the hashtag Tomahawk. Don't forget to send us videos so we can rip the audio and make your voice a part of the Tomahawk show here. Join our DraftKings League. Joe, final thoughts? I am so happy that the Packers have decided to come down on the side of accountability and (laughs) not worry about who's snitching in the locker room, but worry more about the performance that you put out on the field on Sunday. So hats off to Mike McCarthy and all those guys in Green Bay that did the right thing by trading Ty Montgomery after the selfish moves that he made on Sunday. No more anonymous sources, people. Matt, take us out. Joe, hawk yourself.